Welcome to another episode of our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Visit our website for complete collections of your favorite old-time radio series. Remember to follow us so you won't miss new releases from SolvedMystery.com. Have you ever thought of murdering somebody? I have. I suppose most of us have. But there's something that's different between thinking about it and carrying it out. At least, I hope so. Something that's different. But uh, not something you can see or recognize or that may give you warning. For example, a murderer may have stood next to you in the lift this morning. He might be the man who asked you for a light for his cigarette or sat next to you in the cinema or shared the same table as a restaurant or... Uh, Anyway, there was nothing to show that he was a murderer. That is where truth differs from fiction. I've acted in a lot of films about murder, read many crime stories. There's always something strange about the man who commits the crime. Something remote, something sinister. As a background, that's sinister too. An implication of evil is always present. But in real life, the most hideous crimes cast no such shadows before them. The background could be quite cheerful and ordinary, the criminal a simple, prosaic sort of fellow. Now, let us take such a scene and such an ordinary sort of chap going into a post office one sunny morning in the little English town of Boston. And listen. Telegram, please, miss. Thank you. Morning post. Come immediately. 4.30 train, Waterloo, Bournemouth Central. Something will meet. I'm afraid I can't read this bit here. Where? Let me see. Here. That's car. Car will meet. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Car will meet train. Extent no object urgent. You've got it. How much will that be? Two shillings, please. Just a simple little act. Sending a telegram. The girl behind the counter thought nothing further about the man who sent it. Why should she? Would you? No reason why you should. Unless you happen to know, as I do, that he's a murderer. Two days later, the body of a woman was found in a field about three miles outside Bournemouth a seaside resort on the south coast of England. That is where our casebook history begins. The police are inspecting the body. Hmm. See the clothes, Fred? It's still damp. Stopped burning early last night, didn't it? Hmm, that's right. About half a day. Hmm. Must have happened to fall out, then. Mm-hmm. Last piece of work. Yeah, poor woman. Somebody made a fellow drop of her, all right. Those car tracks show how she was brought here. The car must have pulled up just down the road there. I'd recognize those tar marks anywhere, Sid. Well, we better take measurements of the track and wheelbase, Fred. Not much more we can do till the doctor comes. We'll be along any minute now. It didn't take the police long to discover the identity of the murdered woman. She was Irene Wilkins of Streatham, London. And within a few hours, her widowed mother was then on her way to Bournemouth to see Superintendent Garrett in charge of the case. Irene had been advertising in the paper for a position as lady cook. They answered by telegram, asking you to come down immediately. Where was the telegram from, Mrs. Wilkins? Do you remember? This may be very important. Oh, I remember where it came from, all right. It was from Boscombe. Splendid. 
I hope you'll get the brute that killed my poor girl. We'll get him all right. He must be brave and help us all he can. Oh, I'm sorry I gave way like that. But it does seem such a shame. I, I wonder if you can remember the date on the telegram. Well, it came Monday morning. Now, that would be... December the, the 22nd. And this gives us something to work on. Dr. Harris? Yes, sir? Come here, Miss. I want you to go to the post office at Boscombe. Yes, sir. Tell them I want to see the original telegram form that a customer handed in on the 22nd to be sent to this address. Wilkins, Pilmere Road, Stratton. Very good, sir. Boscombe. We've heard that name before, haven't we? And Boscombe is only a couple of miles from Bournemouth. So it didn't take Detective Sergeant Ellis long to get there, nor did it take long for one of the post office clerks to search through the files and find the original copy of the telegram sent to Irene Wilkins. Sergeant Ellis made a quick trip back to Superintendent Garrett's office at Bournemouth. Sergeant Wilkins. Now, let's see what he can get from this telegram. Morning Post. That must be the newspaper Miss Wilkins advertised in. Come immediately, 4.30 train, Waterloo, Bournemouth Central. Something will meet. Oh, car. That's what it is. Car will meet train, expense no object, urgent. Signed, Carver, will be house. I checked up the name and address, sir, and both fictitious. Well, that is to be expected. I'd say this is probably written by a man. You have anything peculiar about the spelling? I did, sir. It's almost as bad as the handwriting. That's pretty awful. Right. He is immediately spelled with an I instead of an E. No E in Bournemouth. And expense with a C instead of an S. This might give us something to work on. Well, a car did meet Irene Wilkins, sir. We've got the measurements. We know the make of cars it was fitted with. Yes, we may be able to do something with that in time. But I think our best line for the present is through this telegram. The handwriting and spelling are distinctive, sir. Put out a general inquiry see if any more telegrams with peculiar spelling have been sent off lately. If so, get me the original. Try the Boston area first and work out from there. Very good, sir. Scotland Yard takes over an investigation, no clue is too small to be considered. Postal headquarters in London were asked to make inquiries throughout all their offices in the British Isles. It took a bit of time for Ellis to check all the branch post offices in the Bournemouth district. And it was some days later before he reported back to the superintendent, weary but triumphant. Come in. All right, you, Ellis. Any results? Yes, sir. Not bad at all. Two telegrams received during the last month with similar areas of spelling. Good. This is the first one, sir. Invested Dippinson. Yes, sir, oh. the handwriting matches. Odd name, this. And then from Hampstead this time. We advertisement. Immediate interview desire to come Waterloo Bournemouth, the main night of desire, expenses given. Car will meet train signed Mrs. Cooper. Hmm. Train spelling mistake, something? Meet it with an I instead of an E. Bonnet without an E again. If with two F's and expenses spelled with a C. Definitely looks like the same chap. I agree, sir. What happened to Mrs. or Miss, whichever it is, um, Dickmanson? No, the car didn't meet her, sir, so she went back to London. Lucky for her, I think. When was this sent? December the 17th. 
Here's the other one. Sir, sent two days later on the 19th to a domestic employment agency. Please send by 5.30 Waterloo to Boston train. Young, pleasant, nurse companion of a girl of 20. Towel meat train. Ah, there's another spelling mistake in this one. Pleasant with no A. In addition, all of them seem to have the same phrase. Car will meet. What do you think about it, Ellis? Oh, well, sir, I think that both telegrams are decoys sent by the same person. You contacted the employment agency, of course? Now, yes, sir. They sent a letter to the address given. Butler, Boston Grange, asking for more particulars. They got no reply. So they did nothing further in the matter. Right. Well, it's back to the Boston Post Office for you, Ellis. You must be getting quite popular with the young ladies, sir. No, sir. What? <laughs> I'm not oversensitive, sir, but I get the feeling they think I'm a nuisance. Well, now's your chance to change all that. Get talking to the clerks and see if you can find one who remembers accepting any of our illiterate friend's telegrams. It's only a small post office, sir. Just a man and a girl. The girl seems intelligent. Fine. Off you go. And good hunting. So Sergeant Elliot trotted back to the little post office at Buscombe. And his luck was in. He found Miss Watkins, the girl clerk, there alone. Ellis had not overstated the case. She was intelligent and not reluctant to talk. Quite the reverse. I've brought along a copy of a telegram, Miss Watson. One that was sent from this office. Would you mind looking at it and seeing if you remember it? I'll try, but I don't promise I'll recognize it, mind you. I understand that. Here it is. Take a look. We have so many through here, you'd be surprised. They're talking of opening a bigger post office. We've really got more business than we can handle here. Well, come to that, it might have been the other clerk that took this one. I... Well, now, isn't that funny? After all the excuses I've been making, I do remember taking in this wire. Splendid. Recollect us about the sender. Now, wait a minute. There was something. It was a man, I'm certain of that. What's he look like? I'm afraid I can't remember much about his looks, Sergeant Ellis, or what he was wearing. Still, there's something about that telegram nagging at the back of my mind. Why, oh, it'll come. Don't worry. And take your time. That's what I find helps most when I'm trying to remember something. Try too hard, it just takes you that much longer. But you say it's important. Oh, it might be. Let me read it again. Morning post. Come immediately. 4.30 train, Waterloo, Bournemouth Centre. Terrible writing, isn't it? Yes. Something will meet... Oh, car will meet. That's it. Of course, I remember. I knew you would. His voice. I'd remember it anywhere. Now I'll tell you why. There was that one word I couldn't read. That word car. So I asked him what it was. And he said, car. Car will meet. Now I don't know why, but his voice gave me the creeps. It wasn't anything he said. I'm just sensitive to voices. I'd recognize that voice again anywhere. Hmm, it's going to be a bit of a job. Finding a man by the sound of his voice. Still, you never know. Well, I don't blame Ellis to you for thinking it was pretty much of a wild goose chase. But as he said, you'll never know. Meanwhile, other detectives were busy in the Bournemouth Boscombe area, questioning both owners and chauffeurs of all cars whose general measurements might fit the tracks left at the scene of the crime. And here's where the name of Thomas Henry Alloway comes into our story. He was chauffeur to a Mr. Sutton, who owned a big grey saloon. What were your moves, Mr. Alloway, during the late afternoon evening of December the 22nd last? That was Monday. Being the old man's late night, I went down to the station about 5.30, picked him up, drove him back, and took the car away at 6 o'clock. Do you have your own key for the garage? No. 
There's only one. Mr. Sutton keeps tight hold of it. I locked up, turned the key in, like I always do. Thank you. Then I went into Bournemouth and had a bit of supper at the Duke's Arms and went to the cinema. After that, came home and went to bed. What else was there to do? Pubs were all closed for then. Hmm, you seem to remember it all very clearly, considering this happened over a month ago. What's the matter? Is it a crime to have a good memory? Have you uh, got a good memory for spelling? What do you mean, spelling? Here, yeah. what are you getting at? Well, did you ever have any difficulty with certain words? I don't know. Well, let's find out. Here, take this pencil and write in this notebook while I dictate. At first, I want to write... The experiment was a flop. Alloway's handwriting turned out to be entirely different from that on the telegram. And what's more, his spelling was quite correct when it came to writing out sentences that used the misspelled words. No, it didn't look as though he could be the man Scotland Yard was after. More and more, Superintendent Garrett was coming to realize he had a really tough case on his hands. You know, Elliot, we shouldn't have let the postal authorities talk us into publishing those telegrams in the newspapers. Well, sir, it did seem a good idea at the time. It made it a lot easier for them to circularize the details of what we were after. Yes, but it probably tipped off our murder to change his handwriting and brush up on his spelling. He's clever, whoever he is. Of course, there haven't been any more telegrams. No. Ah, no. Judging from this report, it doesn't look as if Alloway's our man. Car's about the right size, but the tires don't match. Mm, he says he hasn't changed them since he put them on himself four months ago. What about the owner of the car, Mr. Stockton? Another chance, sir. Watertight alibi for the whole evening. Ah. Ellis, my friend, I'm afraid for the moment we are stuck. Yes, Scotland Yard was stuck. Just for a moment. Then, coincidence took a hand, as is so often does in crime investigations. You'll hear about it in just a moment. Those against any criminal getting away with it are enormous. Just think of all the details he has to take care of in planning out a crime. If just one goes wrong, he's likely to find himself in more than a spot of bother. He's got to think of himself and what he's doing first, last, and always. And he may overlook the fact that other people unimportant to him may notice things and remember them. Like Miss Watkins, the postal clerk, with her flair for remembering voices. One day, Thomas Alloway took a parcel into a Bournemouth post office. And it so happened that the clerk he handed it to was, uh, uh, Yes, you're right. Miss Watkins, who had just been transferred there from the Boscombe branch. I want to send this parcel. I'm in a hurry. Let me have it. I'll wait. I know that voice. Who is he? An old boy, Yes, yes. That'll be eight and take me. Eight and a half? Well, I've got the exact change, I think. Half a tick. Yes, uh, yes. Here you are. And don't hunt that parcel around. If you bother to look at it, you'll see it's marked fragile. That's the man who sent that telegram. Quick, come to the window. Yes, he's getting into a car. A grey one. Can you see the license number? L-K. Oh, I can't quite see it. L-K-7405. L-K-7405. Look out to the counter. I must get on to the police at once. What a bit of luck meeting him. And it was him, too. I'd know that voice anywhere. Yes? Oh, hello, Miss Watkins. Huh? 
Yes, of course I remember you. He has? You've got the number. Excellent. LK7405. Good work. Thank you. Elvis, there's your friend Miss Watkins. She's recognized the man who sent the wire, and she's got the license number of his car. LK7405. Did you ring a bell? Just a sec, sir. I'll look through these shelters, could you? No, no, no. Yes. That's Mr. Sutton's car. The chauffeur was Thomas Henry Alloway. That fellow again. Uh, we can't charge a man with murder because his voice resembles somebody who once sent a telegram. There's not much support for his alibi, sir. Apart from the car being locked in the garage that night, he could have had a duplicate key made. Now, I'm afraid all we can do for the moment is to keep a very close watch on that gentleman. If he is our man, perhaps he'll slip up somewhere. No such luck. More time went by and nothing happened. And then, believe it or not, another coincidence. Remember, this is a true case. And I'm telling you, Joe, exactly as it took place. Another little fact popped up that Alloway hadn't accounted for. Because he'd been concentrating on himself at the time. Superintendent Garrett received a call from a man named Humphreys. Now, Mr. Humphreys. Tell us your story in your own words. Uh, well, Superintendent, I traveled down to Boston on December the 22nd in the same train as Miss Wilkins. Well, excuse me, you didn't know Miss Wilkins? No, but I recognized her photograph later in the paper. Although by that time, there was nothing much I could do about it. But I don't follow. Well, I'll explain. I'd come to Boston to spend the night with friends just before a business trip I was taking abroad. Next day early, I took the train to Southampton and went on board the boat. I probably wouldn't have seen the papers at all, except that we were late in sailing, and my cabin steward brought on board an early afternoon edition. Now, I see. That explains a lot. Yes. As a matter of fact, I didn't see the paper until after dinner that night, and we'd been at sea several hours. Right, go on. Well, of course, I was horrified to read at what had happened. She was a nice-looking girl. But there didn't seem to be anything I could do, so, well, I'm afraid I just left it at that. Oh, too bad. Sir, I quite understand. Now, to come back to the day of the murder, you say in your letter that you saw Miss Wilkins get into a car. Yes. When we got off our train and were having our tickets collected, I was standing right behind her. That's when I noticed her hat. Mm -hmm. I saw her into this car, and I noticed it particularly because it had a peculiar luggage rack, a design I hadn't seen before. That may seem odd to you, but I must explain that I'm a motor car body designer by profession. So, so naturally a beater like that would catch your eye. That's it. But I didn't notice the license number of the car. And it wasn't until the day before yesterday that I came back on a visit to Boston. And by a strange coincidence, yesterday I spotted that same car again. Recognized it at once. By the luggage rack? Yes. The whole thing came back to me in a flash. And this time I took the number as the car was past me. My friends told me the case hadn't yet been cleared up, and so I immediately wrote to you. That's very interesting indeed, Mr. Humphreys. I think this evidence may be of great value to us. Uh, now, just one more thing. You see this pile of ladies' hats on the table? Can you identify any one of them? Yes. This one. The girl I saw get into the car was wearing it. 
That's the hat found beside the murdered body of Irene Wilkins. Definite proof, you say? No, not yet. But the case against Thomas Alloway was building up. What about the handwriting on the telegram? Superintendent Garrett had a bright idea. He needed something written by Alloway before the time of the murder and was able to obtain the application form Alloway had filled out for his chauffeur's driving license. Would they match? They did. Perfectly. Proving beyond a doubt that Alloway had disguised his handwriting during the police test. Somehow, we'll never know how, Alloway learned of this new development. And knowing that he'd been closely watched for weeks, it was too much. He cracked. He forged his bus's signature to six checks and bolted. <laughs> did it. Alloway was off like a fox with the hounds after it. The police immediately issued a warrant for his arrest and searched his flat. There they found a duplicate key to the garage. So he could have taken the car out again that fatal night without Mr. Sutton knowing. And Alloway? Where did he disappear to? How on earth do you find one person among 45 million? You and I couldn't do it on our own, but if we had a vast organization like Scotland Yard behind us, it would only be a matter of time before we found our man. And so Superintendent Garrett wasn't too surprised when he got a telephone call from the police at Reading. That's 90 miles away from Bonda. Um, hello. Superintendent Garrett here. We've got some good news for you, Superintendent. This is Reading Police Headquarters. We've picked up Thomas Alloway. Oh, nice going. How'd you pick him up? Uh, he came into a garage here. That is a dragon in the pack. We'll bring him along to you. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But I'm sure you can imagine the many hours of patient work and the hundreds of inquiries that finally resulted in Alloway's arrest. On him, the police found cards and letters in his own handwriting that matched up nicely with the telegram. As Superintendent Garrett put it, a distinctive, ugly scrawl as nasty as the man himself. Looks now as so we've got an open and shut case of it. There's just one thing more. Get a dozen of those chauffeurs we interviewed and Mr. Alloway. I want to see if Miss Watkins can pick him out out of a crowd by his voice alone. Now, Miss Watkins, you're not nervous, are you? <laughs> Just a little. Now, don't mind me. I'll do whatever I can to help. Good. Well, what I want you to do is very simple. In the next room are several men. When we go in there, they'll have their backs turned to you and you turn yours to them. I can't see them, then. Uh, no, that's very important. They'll each in turn say certain words. If you recognize any of their voices, I want you to say so at once. All right. Ready? Yes. Now then, just stand here, facing the wall. All right, Elvis. Carry on when you're ready. Very good, sir. Will you read the words written on this card? Top, top of me. Second man? Car. Car will meet. Third man? Car. Car will meet. That's the man. Thank you, Miss Watkins. That is Thomas Alloway. And 
Without any doubt, Thomas Alloway was a clever man in several ways. But like every other human being, he unfortunately had his weaknesses. If you set out to plan a crime, and I hope you don't do it very often, you should always make allowances for the unexpected. Alloway didn't. His complete disregard for anyone but himself brought about his downfall. When brought to trial, Alloway put up a bold defense in spite of the overwhelming weight of evidence produced by Scotland Yard. The vital and decisive moment came while Alloway was in the witness box being questioned by the counsel for the prosecution. And now, Mr. Alloway, there are certain words I want you to spell, and I want you to be very careful. All right, go ahead. The first word is Burma. Well, will you spell that, please? B-O-U-R-N-E-M-O-U-T-H. Thank you. And now, expense. The word expense. E-X-P-E-N-S-E. Right. Next, immediately. I-M-M-E-D-I-A-T-E. Now, would you spell pleasant? P-L-E-S-E-N-T. P-L-E-S-E-N-T. Uh, like you spell present. Yes. His memory had failed him. He'd forgotten to check over the spelling in the telegram to the employment agency asking for a pleasant young nurse. His error, coming when it did, was enough to tip the scales of justice against him. Thomas Henley Alloway was convicted and hanged. We've uh, called this case Accurate Spelling is Essential. Of course, you say, if Alloway hadn't been a poor speller, he might have got away with uh, murder. But there are more ifs in the story than that one. If Humphreys hadn't been a motor car body designer, he probably never would have noticed that luggage rack on Alloway's car and so wouldn't have remembered it. If he hadn't left on his business trip when he did, his evidence would have been available immediately after the murder. If the police hadn't been forced to concentrate on the only other evidence they had, the telegram sent by Alloway to his victim, they might never have discovered Miss Watkins, the postal clerk. If she hadn't had a special talent for remembering voices, she might never have noticed Alloway. I think you'll agree with me that the long arm of coincidence played a large part in this case. For if none of these things had happened as and when they did, the murderer of Irene Wilkins might never have been brought to justice. And, uh, by the way, uh, are you good at spelling? I'm not bad, but uh, after listening to this case, I'm sure you'll agree that it's always wise to keep a dictionary handy. In the next case I shall be telling you about, coincidence plays no part at all. But that's the next time. Now until we meet again, I must close this case book of the secrets of Scotland Yard.
and enjoying our digitally remastered old-time radio shows from SolvedMystery.com. Please remember to leave us a review and to follow us for frequent releases.